are listening to the Mission Critical Podcast. Nonprofit marketing advice for the expert and novice alike, where you'll get an insider view into marketing strategy, key marketing concepts, emerging trends, and more. And now, your hosts with marketing advice so practical it dresses in layers, Billy Draper and John Path. Thank you for listening to the Mission Critical Podcast with your hosts, Billy Traper and John Patton. Billy, how are you doing tonight, sir? Feeling good. Just bouncing to the music right now. It feels, it feels, I, I mean, there's some day, sometimes when we record, that music just hits and it just hits. And I could just be the whistle pig. I don't know. Either way, it's working. <laughs> little of this, little of that. I don't call it bounce music because it doesn't make you bounce. You know, it's a fair, fair name. Uh, how is, uh, How's your world treating you? How's uh, how's the world where you are? World's good. Uh, you know, spring here. Started mowing the grass, doing all that kind of responsible spring stuff. So we're we're full on. Uh, and as as some of you listeners know out there, you definitely know as I talk about all the freaking time fishing. Fishing's good. Mm. It's hot. They're biting everything. So that that's good for me because I really suck at fishing. So <laughs> <laughs> how are you? What's going on in your world? You know, I'm good. Uh, we are we're neck deep in sports over in my place right now. Uh, my boys are playing flag football um, and uh, had their first ever loss in a competitive sporting event in their entire lives, and Whoa. just couldn't couldn't believe it happened. Like a complete shock to the system. And so we had some we've had some fun lessons over the last couple uh, couple days about uh, sportsmanship and uh, how our love of their parents is not contingent upon victory and how uh, they need to walk home until they start winning again. No, not that last one. Not the last one. Uh, that wasn't part of it. Uh, but no, it's, it's great. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun, fun season of life. I feel very privileged to be able to enjoy it. I know it's a, a tough one for a lot of people out there. Well, it sounds like they now know what it feels like to be an Alabama fan. That's, that's all I have to say. Like you, you know, every, every, every few years you lose a big one, right? And it hurts a lot. So, but it makes you stronger because normally you win it again the next, okay. I'm, I just curse myself, the team for the next two years. Great. Awesome. We had to re-record. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh well, they, they've had a, what, at least been in the national championship game, something like six of the last seven years or something like that. Yeah. And I went to the one game that they got stomped. I was there in person and uh, you, you being a 49ers fan, right? I was at, I was in Santa Clara at the game and I was like, this is amazing. Watching my alma mater play football in the, in the stadium of the team that I grew up loving. And they just get stomped from the kickoff to the end. I was like, all right, that's fair. Not all your dreams can come true. Not all your dreams. (laughs) When when my brother hit a uh, decade milestone, um, we flew down to Santa Clara to watch the Niners play, and we both grew up Stanford fans and Niners fans. So the night before, we went to a Stanford football game, then the next day we went to the Niners game. Oh. Uh, there was 11 lost turnovers by the two teams over the two nights. It was like unbelievable. Like, I feel like I could have, like, if I had a full game, I'd probably throw 15 picks. You know, probably, they probably wouldn't let me throw. But if they made me throw, 
you know, third and 37, I probably throw a pick there. I probably throw 15 picks, but these are like super, you know, division one and pro athletes. And they threw only a couple fewer picks than I did, than I would have. <laughs> You're not allowed back into the stadium. That's, that's the lesson learned there. <laughs> Unreal. It was, it was actually comical. It was comical by like the 17th fumble. You're like, all right, this is just how it's going to be. Um, we, we, we've learned a little bit about our, our sports, our love of sports here, but now we're going to learn a little bit more about our love of podcasting and marketing. Look at that segue. Mm, see, see, ooh, see that? Silky. <laughs> silky. So, yes. Yeah, so so what, are, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What's, the, what's our goal here in the next couple of uh, podcasts, if you're listening out there? What are, we, what are we sharing with the listeners? Well, I think, you know, tonight we're going to hear a little bit about some stories, about my story and how... Uh, how we kind of got into the nonprofit space, uh, you know, have some interesting backstory we're going to share. And next week we're going to hear a little bit about your story and why that interests you. And then, uh, gosh, I'm really excited to, uh, to put a bow on season one and, uh, Billy, I don't know if we should talk about it now, but I couldn't be more excited for season two. I think there's going to be some fun stuff. We're going to, it's, it feels like we're growing into ourselves, right? Uh, laying the foundation. Now we're going to start to stretch a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about season season two. But I have to say, it's been a pleasure working with you on season one. And thank you to all the listeners for for, for listening uh, and supporting us because that's that's also exciting to to look at those statistics, if you will, and get the feedback and and all that stuff. So it's been great. Yeah. So definitely echo everything you said. Well, you're no longer echoing anything I say because this is all about you, right? This podcast is all about you. This is your moment here. Um, it, it's like a hot take. Have you have you seen hot ones on YouTube? I think we need some wings, and we oh, need to course. eat. We need to eat some wings. And so we, no, we're not doing that tonight. Um, but so, so, John, so so we've learned a lot, and you've shared a lot of really critical insight. I would say very um, necessary commentary. I mean, there's just a number of things that you've shared over the, the course of this season that have been they've been great. And and I think what is true is listening to when you talk about marketing and nonprofits and the problems that they face, right? That that our listeners face, you talk about it with passion and you clearly bring a very um you bring curiosity to the subject. You bring expertise to the conversation. And so I, I just want to kind of know, let's go back. Did you ever see yourself working in nonprofit marketing? Like give us some backstory here. Is this where you thought you'd be recording a podcast with this dude drinking whiskey right now and talking about, <laughs> I bet not, but give us some background. <laughs> well, the guy drinking whiskey was always a part of the plan, but um, <laughs> yeah. the uh, So yeah, I mean, I no, I definitely did not. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought, I always thought of nonprofits when I was younger as a place you go to volunteer or place where, you know, the most caring people on earth go and, and build their careers. Um, but do so as a, a kind of a service to society. Um, and I don't totally disagree with that perspective in a sense, but I think when I was younger, it was much more about mastering kind of getting technical expertise and so um, I started in a in analytics, and I started in measurement strategies, um, and and really kind of built my base there. And um, 
I was industry agnostic, you know, really just more focused on kind of the technical solution and, and frankly, how to, how to make it customer friendly um, so that they would purchase it. Right. And that was where I spent a lot of my time, almost eight years. Um, and then what happened for me was uh, there was a moment uh, where a buddy of mine just started, he was dreaming and he was dreaming about, well, what if, what if, you know, we all have a personal set of values and, uh, you know, being generous and caring and things like that, I think are fairly universal values or at least hopefully, but it's really easy to go in moments or go in, in just moments, give in a moment, right? Your heart stirs in a moment and you give, but then like the next day, your heart is no longer stirring for that thing. And so I felt this like really significant disconnect between what I was doing, um, just trying to master this expertise in this product and these moments where I was stirred and the rest of my life. Uh, there was just like there, what I was passionate about and what could stir my heart was disconnected um, from every other component of my life. And so it felt a little incongruent for me. Um, and and that's kind of what led me to the nonprofit space initially was, well, I wonder if there's a way to take you know, this knowledge and technical capability and mash it up with, with purpose and meaning. Um, and so, you know, I've shared a little bit, um, with, uh, on a previous podcast, but actually my buddies and I, who were kind of all in this, I wouldn't say midlife crisis, but this, uh, this desire to do more and be more significant, um, with how we live our lives on a daily basis actually founded a nonprofit, uh, called Forgo. And uh, that was the whole idea there was to connect your, your, how you live each day to uh, the purposes that you care about. So that was kind of, that was kind of how I got into the space initially. So you made, you made the decision, you made, you made a, you made a conscious decision to say, look, I'm doing this thing, but I feel my heart's being tugged elsewhere. Like you're being pulled in another direction. How, how long did you sit over here when your heart's being tugged? Was it? Was it years? Was it months? Was it weeks? Or was it like, hey, nope, made up my mind. I'm leaving, and you just decided to do and throw yourself at a nonprofit. Give us a little insight there. Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, it's preparation and opportunity when they intersect, right? That's kind of when when you can move forward, or some people call that luck, uh, whatever. But for me, it was you know I had this technical preparation, and uh, I was just waiting for the opportunity. And that really was forego for me, um, that opportunity to really sink my teeth. And so I was maintaining my normal nine to five and, and building and developing this mobile giving uh, solution to help nonprofits. And, um, and so we did that for like, gosh, was it two years? About two years would uh, build this nonprofit off the side of my desk while maintaining my normal day to day. And then eventually that kind of domain expertise I developed in the nonprofit opened up a job where I could work full-time with nonprofits and technology. Um, and that was, that was like the culmination of everything I had been hoping for at that time was, you know, the, a for purpose mission that is kind of leading edge tech and exciting and all the things that, you know, wake me up in the morning with a smile on my face. Uh, and so it was about a two year span to get there. And, uh, but once I got there, I've, I've really never looked back. 
So, you, so now you're so now you're here, right? And you're working in the space. Um, I want to go back before though. I'm going backwards in time while you're moving forwards in time. I, I just have to know more, right? I think it's motivation's a really interesting thing, um, and I think if we all go back to our original motivation, um, maybe where we end up is different, right? But I think I would like to understand when did so like did this your love for technology happen in college did it happen in high school did it happen before that like the first time you like you know picked up a phone or like logged into the internet like when did technology become a thing that you loved or that you are passionate about when did that happen you know actually i can tell you exactly when that happened because it was kind of a moment for me um i started a career in sales initially and um I had a technical expert that I would work with and I would always be really frustrated because I would hear them talk about the technology and say like, that is the worst way to describe that feature, right? That is so, that is terrible. Like that, try considering the audience listening to it. Right. Um, and, and so I, and I would go over the top. I would like not let that person have the last word. I would jump in and be like, so really what that means is over and over and over and it started, I started noticing the room was shifting away from asking the technical person, the technical questions to looking at me and asking me the technical questions. Um, and, uh, I remember specifically, there was a time when we were doing an API, uh, data import, and then doing some measurement in Excel. Cause back in the day, connecting Woo. APIs to Excel was Ooh, like, that's hot. Oh, that's so hot. sweet. <laughs> Caliente. And, uh, and the, our technical guy couldn't figure it out. And I figured it out really, really quickly. And I was like, I think I'm technical and like, I think I'm actually decent at this stuff. And it, it, I view my primary skill in life as taking complex technical concepts and being able to distill them down to the core essentials. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about, you know, everything that's happening, but ultimately at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is make sure that there's a clear path forward that everyone's on the same page and it all makes sense. Um, and so I can remember the meeting where I got, everyone started asking me the technical questions, even though I was the sales guy. And I thought from that point forward, all right, I'm, I'm going more into the technical roles. Uh, that's just it for me. You were a unicorn before even like, before that was like a saying, like there's the unicorn, the guy who can sell and talk tech, like that doesn't happen. He's both right brain and left brain. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably a bad salesperson, Billy. I mean, I probably just wasn't very good at it. That was I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, so, so, so that's interesting. You, you, I, 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 I always admire your ability to take a complex idea and you just like break it down. Like it's, it's like watching someone butcher a chicken who's really good at butchering a chicken. Like, yeah, I can cut that chicken in four parts. Like, that, but and you, you do that with a complex idea in that quickness. And so, what, what do you think? If I were to, what do you, why do you think you're good at that? Cause not even like, not even good at that. Why do you think you're great at that? Cause I, I think you were amazing at that. I just want to understand why you believe you are. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, I think there's a, once you deeply understand the why, uh, and you start reorienting your thought process from how to why, it becomes a lot easier because um, most people, especially in technology, they want to talk about the cool thing they built, right? And it's like, oh, I did this. Look how cool this thing is that. And like the customer's like, I don't, I don't need that. And you're like, shut your face. Look at this cool thing I did and, or this cool thing I built. 
And so you get the people who are all product and they just want to show you the features of the product, but it has nothing to do with the, the customer. Sales teaches you to like lean into the customer need, right? And so I think when you bridge what the customer is needing and the capabilities and you start to say like, my job is to connect these two cliffs together um, and you start thinking about why. So why would the customer need that? right? What's the underlying assumption? And a lot of time that just calls to, to mind for me a story or an illustration or an example. And maybe it's, um, you know, just the, the books I listen to, or, you know, the, the Ted talks I, I listen to, or someone, you know, they start talking in analogies. Um, and there's, you know, like a bunch of analogies you can go to all the time. Like baseball is good for 80% of them. Uh, you know, how to build a house, right. Is important. Like you can use that, like whether it's the wiring or like the plumbing or like the structure of the base or like there's all these analogies. And I think I just kind of try to find one of my handful of analogies and pair it up. Um, and it generally works. Although I've, I've oof, to use an analogy, I've struck out many times. <laughs> you've hit grand slam. You've hit your share of grand slams too, which is like the, the unicorn thing to do is, is, is to hit some grand slams. Uh, yes. Nice. Baseball. It truly, like you said it and it totally worked. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always, the one I use the most is like starting a conversation with a runner on second, you know, like that. I use that all the time and it's like, yeah, I get it. If you started the ending with a runner on second, you, you know, like much more likely to score, right. Much more likely to get home. So, 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 so it's, it's your, your curiosity, your, your, this, you have a, a, a knack for this. So when you think about purpose and you think about nonprofit, do you think it's a, it's a stretch to, to, I mean, let me, let's go back to the original question. Did you think you can make a living and a living like at this and feel good about what you do every day? Like, did this ever cross your mind as a, as like, wait, I could be in sales and in technical, I can do this stuff on this, but I can also work for a nonprofit and I can also like, you know. Like have a good dinner every now and then. Did you ever think that was a real possibility? <laughs> there is always this, um, there's always this pushback when someone does well in a nonprofit where it's like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to see that person driving a nice car because that's money that didn't go to children. And it's, I, I, I fundamentally reject that mindset. I think, you know, there needs to be reasonable controls in place and things like that. Um, but, you know, the analogy I always think about is, you could probably hire, let's say you're building a well for clean water, right? You're going to, you're going to go design a new well that's going to higher yield of water, right? Okay. You can hire a whole bunch of high schoolers for 10 bucks an hour to try to design the well and save a bunch of money. Or you can go to MIT, get the smartest person at MIT, pay them a ton of money and just get an amazing well that yields a lot of water. So if you're just looking at the financials there, the high school students make a whole lot more sense. But if you're trying to actually deliver some clean water, you want the MIT scientist building the well. And so, you know, for me, I've always thought there's a there's a tension there that is, I think, somewhat normal in our society about you don't really want, you know, there's you always hear the CEO of XYZ nonprofits making 800000 a year. And you know, perhaps that's absurd. I'm not here to tell you that's great. But I, I never thought that you'd be able to do well while doing good um, until the opportunity presented itself. I always thought that was like the dream was to, to be able to consult on really big campaigns, really high dollar campaigns with really large nonprofits who really need help and, and, you know, charge a fair wage for it. 
So that's been, that's been, I think the biggest surprise and delight of, of my career is the ability to, to grow personally and professionally while feeling really great about the, the organizations I can help. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? It, it, a lot of people don't even consider this um, like as, as a career path or as a way to wake up every day and feel good about like the hard work you put in. So speaking of surprise and delight, let's get into a little bit. Let's, let's get into something you didn't expect to know that you now know about nonprofits. I'm, I'm totally putting you on the spot. You don't have to use oh. names. Uh, but what's what's like a tidbit where you're like, whoa, never thought that was a thing. Totally a thing. <laughs> like, Give us some insight on, 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 on your perspective there. Uh, so I'll tell you a story of my own failure and success at the same time. And I'll do it with my own my own nonprofit um, that was co-founder of called Forgo. Such a safe play. Such a safe play. That's a baseball. <laughs> safe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not swinging with a 3-0 count. Yeah, exactly. There um, you go. <laughs> if I can get the walk. Uh, so uh, the we were building this mobile giving platform where you could make decisions in your daily life to connect you to stories of greater significance, right? So I'm walking up. I really want my morning coffee. And then I'm going to go to whatever, insert local coffee shop here. Um, and I'm going to go get like a Americano. And as I'm in line, maybe it pop my phone pops up and says, Hey, you know, there's a new project right now where your $2 Americano, your $3 Americano can provide 16 meals. And so I say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to forego my coffee today. And I'm going to feel that, right? Like, I, I mean, and I am going to feel that <laughs> as a caffeine addict, I'm going to feel it. So like, but I'm going to feel that. And as every time that like, oh, I really wish I could have a cup of coffee. I'm going to think to myself, like I'm feeding 16 meals by not having this coffee. And so that discomfort was actually like joy for me um, because I knew that that discomfort was creating something good for someone else. And that was, that's, I want to live that way. That's how I want to live my life. Um, and those who know me kind of outside of the podcast and outside of work know, like I'm really big on trying to, you know, like opt into suffering for a greater purpose, opt into, uh, you know, challenges for a bigger purpose. Right. Uh, and so this, this tool was to do that. And so I was bright eyed. I'm like, everybody needs this, right? Everybody needs it. Every nonprofit is trying to connect with moments, not just once at these events, but throughout the entire day, right? Build all these moments and then, you know, don't overdo it, but every so often remind them like, Hey, today's the day right? Today's a day without coffee. You're going to donate the money you would have drank on coffee. Um, you know, you're going to donate that to clean water or whatever. So I had, and every single nonprofit I talked to about it was like, oh yes, a thousand times we need that. That's such a great idea. It's like, okay, great. We, here we go. Now we're going to launch our own tech company and we're going to give this nonprofit technology away. It's going to be great. Yet the, you know, the cold reality was that organizational change in nonprofits is just so hard. And to bring a new idea that doesn't fit within their kind of orthodoxies and governance model is, is next to impossible unless you literally have the ear of the CEO and the CEO is like, we're doing it. Um, it can be the best idea in the world, but if you don't have a way to fit it into their existing structure or a way to compel them to create a new structure and strategy for it, it's not going to happen because they have so many other competing priorities. And so the big learning for me and something I'm frankly still shocked at on an almost daily basis is 
nonprofits will not do things that they absolutely must do. They must do uh, because it doesn't bubble up the the level of urgency that it's going to get attention. They have so many other urgent priorities that it has to be almost on fire to to force a change. So that was what I learned. I'm I still learn it almost every week, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, so things old, old habits die hard, right? That's the, that's the thing. There, it's just really, really tough to let go of the fear, right? There's a lot that you just mentioned yeah. in that. So, so kind of thinking about um, that, probably being a universal truth as we move forward in the in the world of nonprofits. Given your history, given your experience, what do you want to do? Like, what's your what's your goal in the next couple of years? Looking at nonprofits specifically, if you could wake up and be like. Sure. I woke up. I want to hear big stuff like, you know, hey, sure. I, I helped a couple of nonprofits make better decisions and as, as, as a result, impact. Like that's a pretty big thing, right? Do you aspire to do more than that or is that enough? Like I, I want to know where you are taking this and, and then like, where do you see the industry going? It's a great big question. And I, you know, questions. I think about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy ones, you know, just <laughs> off the cuff. Uh, let me think about legacy and when I die, what I want on my gravestone. Hey, you, you um, just recently entered a new decade of life. You know what legacy is always <laughs> already about. You get this. <laughs> I, you know what? Uh, I actually, I have this thing brewing in the back of my mind about like a simplification session for nonprofits where it's like, we're going to simplify what you do. We're going to like, we're going to undo so much garbage and just simplify this down to its core essentials. And we're going to, we're going to save you $150,000 a month in wasted time and, and tech. Um, but anyway, that's for another, another episode, but, um, it all was born out of crossing into a new decade and realizing that I've set my life up in a way that is totally impossible to maintain <laughs> as I'm getting older. Um, other than that's great. Uh, so Legacy stuff, what I want, uh, if I could put my mark on the nonprofit space, and I'm certainly not there yet, but um, you know, if I could push a button and, and do that, uh, what I would want them to do, what I'd want to be kind of known for is connecting the nonprofit's mission to their donors in a way that the donors feel like the hero and the donors feel like they are personally delivering impact. Not that they're funding an organization that's delivering impact, but they themselves are the one delivering the impact, and the nonprofit is is a conduit for that impact delivery. And what I, I really want nonprofits to stop trying to be the hero of the story, um, and I really want them to figure out how to make their uh, their constituents the hero of the story. And I think when they do that, you get these raging loyal fans who will, you know, do whatever you need whenever you need them to do it and bring other people, right? Um, and so I that's one of the big things for me is it's it's all about the constituent creating the impact and how the nonprofit can facilitate that. That's a big one. It feels like you are putting an idea out there in the ether to say there is no .org anymore. We're going to figure out how to take a cause and make it happen and put everybody in charge of making that thing happen. And you never know that we exist. There's no, there is no mm. .org in the scenario, but we are definitely there facilitating all the things behind the scenes. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. 
Yeah, exactly. And you and I have talked about this in the past where um, some, maybe the, maybe the nonprofit is like delivering expertise on a topic to activate other audiences. And that's what they do. You know, Logistics. maybe they're not even, yeah, maybe they're not even funneling the money. Maybe they're not even funding the thing. Maybe they're just delivering expertise and it's using, you know, organic fundraising methods. Uh, it's using GoFundMe pages and the nonprofit's like, great. As long as you clean the bay, we don't care, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to send in our uh, marine biologists to talk about the impact of having a dirty bay, right? Like, I don't hate that idea. I don't, because I think there's a, there's a almost better process when the money is organically raised. Um, there's stewardship issues there for sure. And I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting they don't collect the money, but like that, there are times when the nonprofit really needs to just be um, raising up advocates and enabling people to go kind of carry the flag forward. 2940. And this, that's the, the marker here where like what you just mentioned, that that's groundbreaking. That's, that actually fundamentally changes so many things. And it's kind of at the essence of probably why you began in this industry, right? Because you showed up because you had a burden on your heart and you're like, look, I know tech. I know good. I would like to be able to do both when I show up today, probably more good than tech. And what you're saying is like, let's do more good and let's not, let's maybe even walk away from the recognition of good. Let's just do good because altruistically that's why we exist. So I, I, I don't know. Did I, did I put words in your mouth or how did that feel? No, that, that feels really good. I think, you know, um, I, and I'll give you an example of this that I think it, where it's working really well. Uh, I got the privilege of working with a human trafficking org local to where I live and they would do sting calls, which, uh, which was all kinds of intense. And I mean, a story for, (laughs) I have so many stories from that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, and yeah, uh, in fact, sometime over a whiskey, you and I will, will dig into the finer details, but, um, you know, that organization was totally hidden. Like you would have no idea who they are. And that was by purpose and by design. But in, um, in six months, we talked to like, like 10,000 people who were, who were trying to do bad things, um, um, with people they shouldn't be doing them with. And, um, and it was, it was so crazy to think like, Oh, this, here we go. It's all volunteers except for one person or two people. You get a bunch of volunteers show up, talk to these people who are making these calls and, and try to get them to stop and try to get them to get help. And there, the nonprofit was nowhere to be heard. No, there was no like, Hey, you're calling so-and-so is nothing like that. Right. And I thought this is actually the essence of good work. This is the essence. It's not about the brand, although that's great. I mean, maybe they use the brand for fundraising. They do, but it's not about that. It's about like the mission of what we're trying to do and trying to make the world safer for children and get people who need help, help. And I just thought like, that is, that is the essence of what I think nonprofits should stand for and should do. Uh, and so that, that to me is like, I want to see other nonprofits take that purview on it, it. Just cause you've been around forever. Doesn't mean you should be around forever, right? If you're not effectively achieving your mission, if you're not effectively, uh, effectively accomplishing your goals, like, seed to people that are give, give it up 
get, you know, connect your best donors with someone else who's got a more innovative, faster to deploy, more likely to succeed method. Uh, that would actually be congruent with what you're saying your mission is. That's a big, that's a, that's a big statement. That's a, that's a big juicy statement. I imagine that's probably because you've been in the industry for a while, right? You, 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 what you've developed the callus, right? You kind of understand, right? <laughs> like you Chris understand Lee. it's like, all right, wait, you, you, there's so many here, analogy alert, right? There's so many layers to the onion as you get more experience and more exposed that as you start to get down to the core of things like, man, you know, like w- we're not even really delivering on what we stand for. And that's, that's a hard thing for us to realize, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's what I kind of feel like you just kind of laid out there. Yeah, I think um, an organization shall remain nameless, but um, there was one organization I remember talking to and their budget for helping people get treatment, um, get transportation to and from treatment was like, I'm I'm making up the numbers here, but let's say it was $500,000. And I was like, okay, how many people did you drive? And you know, you look at the actual numbers, you're like, you could have bought Ubers for 5X that, but instead you wanted to like have the fleet vehicle and like, have the van, do schedule the pickup and buy the software for that. Like, don't do that. Just get a whole bunch of Uber gift cards and give them to the people so they can just do it themselves. Like, don't, don't put your brand on it. It's not about you. It's about the person getting the treatment and getting to the doctor. Right. Um, and so I, things like that as a, as someone who cares deeply about mission, just drive you nuts. And so I, I would love, I would love nothing more than for nonprofits to, act a little bit more like a business, um, and, and hit their objectives. Well, I think that, that, that's just sticking the landing on that thought, right? That's like, no, there's no, no, <laughs> there's no guessing how you feel about that. So, so John, I, I, I think you've given us some really good background on why you are inspired, what continues to inspire you. I've got one final question. What do you do when you feel like you're not inspired in this industry? What do you what what do you do in that moment? Because inspiration is one thing, motivation is the other thing, and then hey, life happens sometimes. You're like, I really care about what I do, but today is just really tough to care about. <laughs> like, give us some insight on how you address that, and then I think that's probably we don't need to go too much deeper. <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, um, part of my journey has been, um, a ongoing battle against the worst version of myself. Uh, whether that be, uh, the lazy version of myself, the overweight version of myself, the, like everything for me has been, um, trying to be, be better. Um, and frankly, because like the people in my life deserve better right? They deserve my best, whether it's the people that work for me or people who live with me or people who, uh, you know, I tuck them in at night, right? Like these are all, these are all people that deserve the best I can give. Uh, and I owe it to them. And so for me, when I look at, when I was in the, the regular, you know, for profit world, it, there were days that were really hard to get out of bed because it's like, I don't know if I need to help XYZ Corp make more money. And, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just, you know, some days it's not that motivating. I'll always think back to like these nonprofits and what they're trying to do deserve the best I can give. 
They really do. Um, and that means that if I'm not showing up today in the way that I need to show up, I'm doing a disservice. And in some cases, I might be actually setting them back further from achieving their mission. And so maybe a healthy bit of guilt uh, <laughs> mixed with a, a little bit of motivation and just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. Um, really, it helps. It helps on those off days. And so my, you know, my guidance to everyone is don't seek the easy path. Uh, try you know, opt into some adversity, opt into some challenges, push yourself, see what you're capable of fail. It's okay. I fail. I failed before and I will fail again. Um, but you know, you are not your failures. Give it, get up and try again. And, uh, and agreed each day with the possibilities it could bring. Uh, because it, at the end of the day, this, you know, that you could wake up to the best day of your life tomorrow. You don't know. It could be the best day you ever had. So maybe it will be. I think there's two things I want to call it. XYZ Corp. Sorry, we referenced you in this podcast. We didn't mean anything about that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Stop making so much money, XYZ. Sorry, XYZ Corp. Uh, if, if Batman were here, he would shut you down um, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, uh, but uh, I think um, – you you know your integrity. What you just described is integrity to me. You 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 wake up with integrity. You act with integrity. You lead. You're led by curiosity, and I think that your experience and look, you you you're you're genuine in this approach. So I think um, that all said, I just want to thank you for letting us get into your brain a little bit um, because you know there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you spend time talking about this subject matter. There's things that you could be doing, you know, but you care. And I think that's pretty evident. So, so John, I want to, I want to say thank you for that. Um, and hopefully listeners, you also see this as, um, a moment that we got to peer into this man's life and understand him a little bit more. And hopefully you can hear that. And I, I believe that you truly can. So with that being said, I, I think, uh, we, we've had a really great podcast. Uh, John, I would just want to thank you for, for the information that you've given us for like exposing yourself in, in this way that we've got to get into your brain a little bit. You've, you've kind of told us about your history here, why you show up every day, um, what motivates you. And we really appreciate that. I, I, I hope listeners out there, we all appreciate that. So um, there's nobody that does this better. Closing out a podcast with energy enthusiasm. And I want to pass it back to you. And I'm going to step away from the mic and just give that back to you. So thank you, John, very much. I, I really, really appreciate it personally. Thank you, Billy. It's a pleasure sharing. Uh, thank you for people who took the time to listen. I am honored by that. And I hope that my story is helpful to anyone else considering making a pivot to something with a little bit more purpose and a little bit more impact. Uh, it can be done and it can be done with excellence. And uh, you're probably better at it than I am. I mean, you'd try it. You'll, almost for sure you'll be better at it than me. So uh, <laughs> give it a whirl, take a chance, step out there and give it a try. But uh we're going to be here when you do. Billy and I are going to be here to help, to guide, to counsel, to cheer you on. And uh, we'll continue to do that, both connecting with us on our social account to ask questions or listening to our podcast or suggesting an episode. We really do want to help however we can because we believe in your why. We believe in your purpose and your mission, and we are here to serve it. So with that, I just want to say thank you to all our listeners for listening to the Mission Critical Podcast. It is a pleasure chatting with you, and we look forward to next time when we hear a little bit about Billy's story. I am incredibly excited for that episode. 
Uh, and I'm excited to share maybe at the end of that episode a little bit more about what we're looking for in season two. So Billy, thanks for the time today and thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. listening to yet another episode of the mission critical podcast remember this podcast is here to help you if there's something you'd like us to cover reach out connect with us online at listen to tmcp.com or follow us at listen to tmcp on your favorite social media channel